This is Real Housewives of the Kingdom, a sweet space where you'll hear from the hearts of fellow housewives in the kingdom of God, some just like you and some really different in various walks of life. We will talk about how God is walking with us through the good and the hard. I pray you'll be encouraged and entertained as we laugh and sometimes cry together. Most of all, I hope it reminds you we're in this together and you are not alone. Today is our last episode in the Children and Parenting series, and I'm ending it with my sweet sister, Savannah. And her and her hubby have six children, with number seven set to arrive next month. That's right, I said seven, and her and her hubby love every minute of it. The story she is sharing today is one that is incredibly close to our hearts. Baby number six is my sweet niece that came into our family via adoption. While her story will remain hers, my sister is sharing her own story of how God called them to adopt and some of the difficulties they have walked through and how God has moved so mighty. She shares how her perspective on adoption has changed since she first considered it and gives us some great insight. Whether you are considering adoption, have adopted, or know someone who has, you won't want to miss it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Housewives of the Kingdom. I am here today with another one of my sisters. If you heard my episode a couple weeks ago that had my youngest sister, Victoria, today I have my beautiful sister, Savannah. She is the one who made me a big sister, and so I am just excited to have her on, and we are talking about adoption today and kind of the ins and outs. She is in the middle of uh, the journey with my new niece. If you follow me on social media, you have heard me uh, talk about her and ask for prayer and things like that. So we are talking about that today, but welcome Savannah or Nan, as I like to call her, or Nanny, Nanny Lynn, um, Buki Lynn. <laughs> Maybe we'll edit that one out. Um, welcome to the show, sis. Uh, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about you? Hi, I'm Savannah. I'm super excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Um, also super nervous. So bear with me because I don't do good at this kind of stuff. But um, I am, yes, Savannah, her second the second oldest in our family. And I am married to my wonderful husband, Josh, and we have six babies. We have five biological. We are in the process of adopting one and we are due next month with our seventh. So there's a little bit about me. (laughs) (laughs) And why don't you talk about when did you meet Jesus and how has your relationship been with Jesus uh, in your life? Oh, totally. I actually was very blessed to grow up, as you know, sis, in a Christian Mm -hmm. home. So growing up, my parents, God was just always talked about, always part of our everyday lives. So whether we were waking up in the morning and we were starting the day off with prayer and Bible with our mom at our homeschool table or going to bed and my dad was praying over us and reading us scriptures as we closed our eyes, God was always the center of our family and always the center of my life and our life. I would say that I was probably about five or six years old when I like fully comprehended or started to comprehend who God was and know that like, okay, I'm not just like living under my parents' faith, but I need to take that step out and make it my own. So I can remember being at um, church and hearing a message, but then coming home and talking to my mom and dad about it and saying that I wanted to ask him in my life and I wanted to make that stand. I'm very grateful for the childhood I had and um, just the sweet testimony of just being raised in a godly home and always knowing Christ and him always being a part of my life. I love that. Like she said, we were raised, we were homeschooled. I don't know if you caught her saying that. I can't remember if I've said that on the podcast. I probably have, but we were all homeschooled all the way through all, uh, all four of us. So that was something that was really special to us. And definitely our faith was made real for all four of us really at a fairly young age because our parents really did a a great job of just introducing us to Jesus. And it wasn't a forced thing, but they really just introduced us to who he was and our hearts responded. So I love that. And that has spilled over into your family and what you and your husband cultivate in your home. So I love seeing that too, just kind of the generational blessing that comes out of that. Definitely. Like she said, number seven is about to be born in 
that July, when I tell people that I have a sister who's having baby number seven, they are always very shocked, very surprised. Whoa, seven babies. I can't even handle two barely. And I always tell them, I always say, you know, my sister and her husband love being parents and they never say anything negative about being parents. They love their children. They are just so excited to help them become people, help them become adults and help them become little warriors in the kingdom of God. And you guys both have been just so intentional with that. And I've loved watching that over the years. Their oldest is about to be 11 and (laughs) sounds weird when you say it, right? It does. That's getting Um, so big. So, you know, that is such a cool thing. And that I, I just kind of wanted anyone listening to get an idea of the what the temperature and kind of atmosphere of your home is like. And so it is a very sweet space. I like to call it organized chaos. I definitely <laughs> have a bit of structure. I like to have structure because if I don't have a list or a plan for the day, then I feel like the chaos overtakes and we don't do anything with intention. So I like to have a little bit of organization, but I also like to be, it's a little bit of chaos. There's going to be seven kids. There's six right now, two dogs. Um, (laughs) There's always people here, literally always people here, which is awesome. (laughs) But you have to be go with the flow. So um, you have always been go with the flow. I can just remember when our oldest niece was just a baby, we were at the beach And she had a little string cheese in her hand and she dipped, she was eating it. She dipped it in the sand and stuck it back in her mouth. And I immediately was like, no, 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 no. And you were like, it's fine, sis. She's fine. And that was with your first. And I was like, normally people with their kids, like, and you're right. She's fine. Like, look at her. Well, she's not going to learn. Yeah. The sand doesn't taste too good if she doesn't try it. So, (laughs) But that just gives you an idea of why my sister and her husband can handle (laughs) this is kind of her perspective on it. So, and the other thing that I would have to say is that Savannah has always loved babies. So when she was little, I mean, first of all, she loved playing with baby dolls. She couldn't wait to have babies of her own. And I remember when she was at an age where she wasn't interested in boys at all yet, but she knew she was interested in babies. She said, sis, do I have to get married to have babies? I'm like, well, if you want to have your own babies, you're going to have to get married. <laughs> Gotta figure that out. Um, yes, and I'm like, don't I, worry. You know, when you, when, when God brings the right man along, you are going to be so excited to marry him and he's going to want to have babies like you. And that is exactly what happened. <laughs> so. Yes. Well, and when we first got together and we're getting married, I always wanted to have a large family. And my husband actually was like, how about just a boy and a girl? And I remember <laughs> thinking like, oh, no, it's <laughs> not going to be so great. Um, but for us, but I just remember, I can remember after I had my first, it might've even been that same beach trip. Um, but we were there and I woke up to do Bible and coffee on the beach one morning. And that's where I was just having my devotions and praying through that I did want to have a large family and what did that look like? And I remember that evening, my husband and I just talking about, you know, at the time we were such young parents that I mean, I had my first babe when I was like 21. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our friends weren't having kids that young. I know that's not super young. Like mom was like 18 or something. But at the time, a lot of friends were like, oh, I'm just praying about like what job to go for. Or whenever the conversation about kids would come up, we noticed that all of our friends, a lot of them would be like, oh, I'm only having one. Oh, I'm having two. Oh, I want three. I want two boys and a girl or whatever it is. And to each their own. But we felt like, who are we to like put God in a box and say, oh, we only want this. And so it's something that both my husband and I have just, we're not just like, you know, going hippie style and like throwing it all to the wind. But like at the same time, it's something that we will never say no to. We're Mm -hmm. always open to whatever God has in our life. And we really look at each child as such a blessing and such a gift. And that is why your kids are so blessed to grow up in your home. I just love being their auntie. And we... Kev loves being their uncle, you know, and that's because they have great parents too, who are teaching them how to just be people and their sweet little hearts. They get so much love at home. And so they also give it, they give so much love and it's just so sweet to see. And it's sweet to see their little budding relationships with the Lord too. 
I love that. Totally. Um, that kind of leads us right into our topic. You kind of talking about, we never wanted to say, you know, who are we to say to God? No, this is exactly what we want, how we want it. We grew up in Southern California and our family, and that is where you guys live for the majority of your marriage. But a couple of years ago, uh, God put it on your hearts to move out of state. It's been good. And it's been also hard and like, you know, miss you guys. But it was kind of cool because this was a little bit of the catalyst of stepping into kind of some new things that God had for you. What was your opinion about adoption prior to knowing that you were going to adopt or that God was calling you to? Well, I can remember adoption is something I've seen a lot. We had a large community in Southern California of people who adopted around us. So we knew actually a large amount of people who have adopted. Always wanted to have a lot of kids and like just my husband being like, yeah, let's like never set a number. We have to this day never set a number on how many children we will have. People like try to get us to say it and we're like, we, we literally don't have a number. I can remember going to a vacation in Temecula with our family and we were driving out. We had just had our third daughter and she was probably four months old and we were driving out and I felt like I would totally love to adopt. But I also wanted it to be something that my husband came to me with. And I think one of the biggest things that I saw that was like, oh, like I didn't love was when the mom was pushing it and the dad was not feeling called mm-hmm. or the dad was pushing it and the mom wasn't being called. And I can remember that car ride so vividly where he said, I really feel like we're called to adopt. Now, that was six years ago. I mean, it wasn't like just last week or, you know, it was a long time ago. And I remember we just said, okay, like I said, I would, I feel called to adopt too. And so he said, let's just start really like praying about that and praying for the future of our, you know, our family, if that's what God is calling us to do. So in that moment, that is like when we actually first discussed it and I really wanted it to come from my husband. That just was something that I kind of put a fleece out to the Lord. Like, okay, Lord, I am like open and willing, but I want you to show me through my husband. That was the first time that he came to me and said that on our drive out. That's where it started with us. When I first thought about it, I kind of tend to be a little more legalistic on life sometimes (laughs) and get on my bandwagons. So if you would have asked me like, six, seven years, eight years ago, even probably four years, three years ago, I would have said, if you are following the Lord, you know, scripture says we're to take care of the orphans. And I would have felt like everyone needs to adopt. Why is everyone not adopting? We have this huge problem in America. We have all these kids who need homes. Why aren't the Christians not stepping up and adopting children? And that was kind of probably my, like, overview of adoption for quite a while. So I'm like, children are a blessing. Like, why are we not doing as scripture says? But it definitely has changed now going and doing adoption. I feel like believers are called to help the orphan, but I don't believe it looks the same as I thought it did back then. Now walking through it, it takes a village. We have walked through some mucky, deep, dark things, and we have chosen to not share every aspect. You know, and that's the thing, right? And not to say that like when you're walking through the hard stuff, that just because it's hard that not everybody should do it, but there is a lot. The enemy has his grips in Yes, in the foster care system and in the adoption process and in these children's lives. And I feel like God calls some of us to walk that road with these children and to take them into our home. But I feel like God calls some to just be prayer warriors. And God has put in our village, in our camp, people who have literally set timers to pray for us. There's so many things you can do to support scripturally. It could be free. You can literally say, I'm, you know, I know someone walking through this. I'm going to pray every Monday at 11 for you. Mm. We have friends. One of my friends prays for me every morning while she's on the elliptical. (laughs) Trisha, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate your prayers. I have different friends and family who have just held us up in prayer through walking through things that are just so dark and ugly that we don't want her story to feel violated. I don't want her to grow up and realize that everyone knows her story but her, you know, or mm-hmm. I want her to tell it to who she feels comfortable to. Yep. And so we have a group of friends and family who know the nitty gritty, the dark, the deep, the everything, and mm-hmm. they 
have held us in prayer and they have kept her story hers as well. We had people give us grocery gift cards. When we got her, she was very anemic. They wanted, they were talking blood transfusion. We had to go buy a ton of beef and supplements and this and that. There, there's just been so many different things. I remember someone sent me socks and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I didn't have socks. Like mm-hmm. It was just a, little things like that. It could be little big, they all matter and mean the like so much to us. I look at this and it really has been like a village adopting this baby mm-hmm. and just loving on her. And I think that's such a testimony of God's love to see just his people pouring out love over her, pouring out prayer over her. There were times at midnight, two in the morning before I got her and I knew she was in a rough place and I would wake up sobbing and shaking with fear. It was the scariest thing because I could go, like if I wake up in the middle of the night and one of my kids are on my heart heavy, I can go lay my hands and pray over them. And I see they're in a warm and toasty bed. They've mm-hmm. had a full belly for dinner. They're washed. They're in clean jammies. They're they're safe and snuggled in with baby love. I would get these Sometimes I'd be in the middle of the night. Sometimes I'd be in the day. Sometimes I would be driving and I'd feel the presence like so heavily on my heart to stop Mm -hmm. and pray. And it was a blessing to be able to text my village and say, I need everyone to pray right now. Something is not right. It was terrifying at the same time because Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on. All that to say that I really feel that not everyone is called to actually bring a child in their home, but I do believe that we all are to play a part in it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a number of ways you can do that. I love that. Prior to you walking through this, we didn't know a whole lot about the process or the ins and out, the real ins and outs of it until you do it. Even though we've had friends and family who have adopted, I feel like this has really opened our eyes to the evil that is in the foster and adoption world where children, the enemy is just trying to hold them captive there. You know, um, something that, uh, you know, the, the social workers have to see the children once a month while they are being fostered. And that is because too many children have, like even with Zoom calls or that sort of a thing, they can't do that. Too many children have died. The children are trafficked through foster care. So I just, for the listeners, I want you to understand if you have not researched or talked to somebody or know someone who has walked through this. And like my sister said, this is not you, you know, well, you better get out there and adopt a kid then. But at the very, very least, please be praying for these kids. There are not great people who are even in charge of the children. And so we have to just be really vigilant to be praying and doing what God is calling us to do and stepping in in the moment. I want to go back to, so your husband brought it up and then you kind of knew, but that was six years ago. Now you already had your three children at that point. And then since then you've had two more. What have you done to prepare them for adoption? Okay. After that, we actually ended up buying a business, a baby boutique, and we loved it. It was very fun. It was a great way to be able to minister to women and to families and mamas while I was in the store. So we always homeschooled while we were doing the store. So it was a lot going on. So Mm -hmm. to adopt during those seasons, uh, we just kind of didn't talk about it because we didn't feel Mm. called at that time. Now, throughout, we were very open with our kids that we did feel like the Lord called us to adopt them. We were open with that. We talked to to them openly about it. We really felt like we wanted them to be prepared because we did feel God called us. And at the least, if we weren't called to actually take a child in our home, we wanted them to know that that was still an important thing to be praying for. An important call. Yeah, an important call. So it makes a huge difference too. I mean, the experience of the child you adopt, depending on how you bring them into your family, I'm sure it could really make or break the situation because if your biological children feel abandoned or they could be mean or, you know, you never know. I'm sure there's lots of different situations and kind of hard to know how your kids are going to respond. Uh, The fact that you just kind of just always brought it up as something. I think it made it not like a blind side. And some of our cousins have adopted. So my kids have been around children who knew they were adopted. So my oldest had a little friend in California who was adopted as well. So she kind of was around it. Once we moved out of state, and that was just a whirlwind in itself, a wonderful whirlwind. We're very thankful to be where we are. And our kids have a lot of room to run and play. 
it's been a huge, huge blessing. And it was kind of crazy because when you would have never thought that you were going to stop the business and God just really at that time, it revealed in so many different ways that it was kind of time for you guys to move out. You put that in God's hands saying, we're not going to put you in a box. And he's like, cool. <laughs> my, totally. my box is really big. So I've got some cool stuff up my sleeve. Well, and we first, a lot of our friends were moving up to Montana. So we were going to go up there <laughs> and it was like the most hell road trip. My poor family and husband and brother. This, and dog. Okay. Wait, you have to tell uh, the story. Okay. So they thought that they might move to Montana and my sister calls me and she's like, sis, I think we're going to, we want to move to Montana. So we're going to buy a motor home to older motor home. And we're going to just road trip this summer. And this was summer of 2020. And she's like, we're just going to road trip up to Montana. It's going to be so good. Uh, uh, it was so awful. We were in this old motor home and it was so fun. I, I really don't think through a lot in my life. Like I do some <laughs> things, but like things like adventure and fun, I just like get so excited and I'm just ready for it. So we decided, let's bring the dog. Why not? I told my brother, why don't you come? Maybe you want to move to Montana. He's like, okay, I'll check out Montana. My husband and I and the kids, we had the five kids at the time and we loaded up and we popped five tires. We made it 60 miles away from our house and we're gone for 27 hours. It was awful. So hot. Calling our dad to come and pick up my sister and the kids on the side of the road. So my dad came and got me, the kids and the dog. And I remember just being like, oh, praise Jesus. When I saw like (laughs) my car with AC coming up because everything had like gone out on the RV by the time we got there. Then my brother and my husband drove the RTV on like three pop tires because we had changed too. Like they drove it for like seven hours or something with all these flat tires on like a dark side road. Oh, my gosh. And then they finally, we end up having to get it towed home. It was such a mess. So after that experience, my husband and I are like, okay, how about this? Let's not talk about it. Let's not like think about moving out of state. Let's just pray and fast for a month. This is a date that we're going to stop fasting and praying. And we're going to just talk about it. If we both still feel called to leave out of state, then like we're going to revisit that. So we prayed and fasted for the month. The day that we ended that, we both felt like we were still supposed to move. Somebody actually came and offered. We had like actually like two offers on the business that day. And both those did not end up going through, but they were just the catalyst and like also just like extra motivation of like, okay, we can do confirmation. Hey, exactly. What yeah, God is calling us to come out of here. The next day, my husband sent me a house. We were looking at like six different states. And by that following Thursday, we had opened escrow. So <laughs> it was just like a crazy whirlwind and such a God thing. It had gotten to the point at the store with all the craziness going on downtown. I didn't really feel safe bringing my kids to the store. And that was just like a no-go for me because mm-hmm. I never minded working, but only if I could have my kids with me. I know that their child is such a small little portion. It was very important for me to be with them. So you guys get out to your new state in fall of 2020. When was the first time that you heard about our sweet little baby Lev? In March 2021, my brother Dakota had come back from a church service and he was talking to us about the pastor's sermon. So it was just the three of us all kind of just chilling on the deck talking and the whole sermon was about adoption. And And he said, you guys have always talked about adoption. And we all listened to it. We were talking about it. And that was kind of like, okay, do we want to start the process to adopt? That was actually like the conversation that kind of started. Okay, so let's pray and fast for a month, put out a fleece. And April 28th, our fleece was answered. And I remember taking a picture so excited. And it was like, this is a start. This is like the first day. My husband said, call the foster care system and start getting paperwork so that we can start this process. So that was April 28th. So on the next day, April 29th, my phone that evening after I put the kids to bed just was flooded with texts from my two cousins. And there was a baby in our family who needed to be placed. And it's kind of a distant family member, but her story was a little bit wild and they were trying to locate her. So they asked if we would take her in. It was really crazy because we had just said yes the day before, but like we never would have expected that like that fast. 
I was just like, okay, Lord, I just said yes yesterday. Like you just told me yesterday <laughs> we're doing this. And it's like, just the next day, our family member wanted us to be the ones that took her. So we started, you know, actively trying to figure out where she was. You have to understand that in the foster care system, there is a lot of corruption, just like any other corporation, any other company, there are people that can be paid more to do shady things. So we started calling every day, calling to locate the baby. Where is the baby at? I had police reports saying the baby was picked up. So we knew that the baby was in custody. She was about four months old at this point. Yes. So we knew she was in custody. We just could not find her. And it was, it was crazy. It was wild. We were praying for this little tiny baby that nobody was fighting for her at the time. And so I didn't know if God was calling us to just fight for her so that she didn't get trafficked or get misplaced, lost in the system. We were kind of the voice for her in this time. We were calling, 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 being super annoying. And, um, finally they said they had her and we were just waiting for DNA tests to come in before we could really take any action in it. And and I remember when you called me and said that they had located her, it really made it real that day. Like, I feel like when they found her, okay, this is go time. Did you get a photo right when she was located or, and did they tell you her name right when she was located? We did know her last name. There was a lot of back and forth and we did not get a picture. We just knew that she was located. Mm -hmm. So one of our cousins is a BA lawyer and we always joke, if we need anyone, I know she just drop everything and she fights for for justice and she fights for a lot of children and this was also close to her heart she's in our same family with all the things and so she actually every conversation that I had with the social worker she was on three-way and I am not very aggressive (laughs) believe it or not (laughs) I am not and so she was very on it with making sure that the social workers and everyone was on it with her case which was a huge blessing because it was some advocating for Josh and I and also vouching for our character and for she did a lot for her and we were super thankful. We were going back and forth. A lot of prayer through all of this. Um, It took months, which is horrible because that's just sad. But it came down to the point where they wanted to do a meeting. There was like one other potential family who had one of her half siblings and they wanted to do a Zoom call to see who got her. So it was going to be potentially this, this other family and us. And then they said, have two people who can vouch for your character. So we had my, I said like my mom and they said, yeah, your mom is one is great. So I had my mom and then I had my cousin and the social worker and us and Josh and I, and there was a supervisor in this like zoom meet. And that was actually the night that we told our kids, we told them that we had a meeting about potentially adopting. And that was when we told them that like, this is like a potential thought. So can you guys be praying? I would say before that Zoom, I didn't know fully if we were going to get her or not. And not that I did right after that, but definitely made things more concrete. That Zoom call just went Didn't insane. they show you a picture of her on the Zoom call? So we didn't know for sure. We were waiting for DNA tests to come back. So if we knew she was our relative or not, we were talking in that meeting and they showed a picture of her mm-hmm. and I just lost it, like mm-hmm. crying. We all did. And it was this specific family members, all of their children have a heart shape birthmark on their head that goes away when they're older. And she had the heart mm-hmm. and it was just like, oh, Lord, <laughs> that is ours. She is ours. That's our baby. And that Zoom call went really wild. The other potential family kept having Zoom issues. You couldn't hear them. Anytime she tried to make a point, they would it would mute her. It was the weirdest thing, but it was just yeah. honestly the Lord that everyone voted for us to take her as long as he was the dad by the end of it. So we kind of came out of that Zoom call like this is happening. We obviously still didn't have the DNA test. So even with the heart and all those things, you're still in your head, like don't get attached because mm-hmm. that's going to be way harder to unattach than it is to attach. But we did decide that this was time that we need to tell our kids that this is a very like big likelihood. Mm -hmm. And so we started calling her baby love and telling the kids. And we all started really praying about her and for her as a family every night. I remember about two weeks after that, I was in church and I had two kids with me and the other kids were in their class. And all of a sudden I was missing a child. I just Mm -hmm. felt like I'm missing one. And it was the first time that it really became real that this is, she's mine. I'm missing her and she's supposed to be here. It was 
a really surreal feeling. I remember just sobbing in church and just being like, (laughs) I didn't know if God was just calling me to pray for her and advocate for her as a mother. I thought that might be the only role God's calling me in adoption is to advocate. But if so, then that's what I need to do. That's my, that's what he's calling me for. I remember when you called me after that church service and you were like, sis, okay. And you told me what had happened and that like, it just kind of came over you. And you were like, if we do not get to keep her, if we do not get to adopt her, I'm going to need some major prayer because she's mine. I feel like she's mine already. And you, you had seen a picture of her, but you hadn't met her yet. Yes. And it was so clear. I just remember feeling like I was missing a child and I had two babies snuggled up to me. You know, I had three more in their little classes at church, but it just, it became so real in that moment. And that was the moment that I I knew that she was ours. And I booked, I called the social worker after church and I said, what do I need to do to see her? And she said, well, we don't have DNA tests yet. And I'm like, yeah, well, this has now been like three months and we need to get the DNA tests because this is, this isn't fair to her. I booked a flight out for the next week and she's like, okay, I could only go out for a weekend. I could only go like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because my husband was working, I got my fingerprinting test done. And I thought, okay, I'll get the process started. So that next time I fly out, I'll get to see her because they said the fingerprinting can take up to two months because of just back lay from COVID stuff. I got a call that next morning. So it wasn't even like a full 24 hours that my fingerprinting had been approved and my background had been approved. And she said, you get to go see her, but you have to show me a car seat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't, everything I have is in another state. Like I I can find one. Like I'm going to find one. And my mom looked at me and she's like, Savannah, I have a brand new, your dream car seat in the garage. And I was like, what? She had ordered one for my sister for her shower and it had come and they had sent the wrong one that didn't hook to her stroller. It's like the same car seat with the wrong attachment. And they like wouldn't take it back or something. There was like, yeah, because of COVID they wouldn't take it back. So she literally had a brand new car seat so in cool. her garage. And so Caroline, Tori, me, my mom all went out and I got to have my first visitation with her. Hey everyone, we're back with an exciting update. By now, you may have heard about our premarital guidance course that we've had in the works. It's a course you can purchase and take on your own time from the comfort of your home at a pace that works for you and your fiance. And we finally have a release date. Hubby, drum roll please. September 8, 2022. That's right. The course will be launching on our 20th wedding anniversary. I'm just so excited to offer some incredible tools for you to take into marriage so you can have your best chance to beat the 50% of marriages that are ending in divorce. Hey, baby. Yeah? I've got an idea. How about offering special pricing for everyone who buys in the month of September in honor of our 20th wedding anniversary? Oh, I love that. If you or anyone you know are getting married and looking for a little guidance prior to walking down the aisle, be sure to pass the word on. Stay tuned to Real Housewives of the Kingdom for details coming soon on where to sign up and what you can expect from the course and pricing, including our special deal. Now, back to the show. That was so cool. And me and my husband, so we were driving out early in the morning. It was dark still because we were meeting in the morning and where we were meeting was around an hour from our house about the same from where you were too we're getting the car we pray and then we start driving and this song comes on the radio that has her name in it and I was like oh my gosh and in this song it says the name over and over and over and over again and I was just like okay Lord whoa this is like so wild this and is so, so real Yeah. And we got there and we let, you went in first. She was with a foster mama who had been taking care of her. Yes. And I went in and I was waiting for her to come in and, you know, it's just so many emotions built up. I, at that time had been praying for her for six plus months, not knowing if I was ever going to get to hold the baby that I had been countless nights on my knees begging God to Mm -hmm. protect. And so that first meeting was just so surreal. I remember them walking in and I just couldn't even stop crying. And I'm really not an emotional person. <laughs> really <laughs> I isn't. I like to guys. cry. So I'm like sitting in the middle of like this restaurant, just like bawling my eyes out. And the foster mama came up and she reached to me. So mm-hmm. one of the things my kids and I started praying for and husband 
that night that everything kind of changed, we prayed that she would dream of us, that if she was going to be in our family forever, we prayed every night that she would dream of us so that when we finally met her, she would know us. And she reached for me and I held her for three hours, the entire visitation. Never once did she want down. Never once did she want out. I held her that whole time. I fed her. I rocked her. And the last like 30 minutes, my sisters and mom and my son and nephew all came in to meet her. And it was just a really, really surreal moment to be walking in to meet your daughter. It was so special. So, so special. It was such an incredible experience being there and seeing her and just how she just immediately took to you. So this was August that we finally got to meet her the first time. And I mean, there was just so much prayer going into it. And I remember, you know, like you were talking about that there were just like moments where you would just be like sobbing and crying because you knew like something you just needed to pray for her. And I remember one of the times I felt it and then you like texted me or called me and were like, pray, pray. I just feel so heavy. And this was before we met her and I prayed and then the song came in my head that we, we used to sing when we were little. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Anyway, and all I could do was sing that song over and over again until I felt like sh- not afraid because I felt afraid right at first. And then I just kept singing it and singing it. And I still like sing the song to her. Well, to all the nieces and nephews, really. Like for me, that was such a moment of just feeling like it was so much was so heavy right at that moment. So we met her and she was with a foster mom, but there was still other things to happen between the time where you would actually get her. There was was the DNA test. I mean, that was the biggest thing. That was really the only thing holding us back was that confirmation of DNA, which took a ridiculous amount of time. Well, and then that night, okay, so I make a blanket for every niece and nephew that comes through our family. So all my sister's kids have blankets that I made. And that's because our grandma used to make us blankets and she's with Jesus now. And if she was here, she would make them blankets. And so I would make blankets for them and knit or crochet. I knew that I wanted to make her a blanket as well. And that day that we met her, I literally went like the first thing I did was go to Hobby Lobby and pick out the yarn. I had already had an idea of what I wanted to do in my mind. And I remember I just like held the yarn in Hobby Lobby, trying not to sob hysterically. (laughs) And I was like, Lord, please please, please let her be safe and be ours. It was such a crazy thing to have just met someone and you just like already love them like that. It's just so wild. So, but then you had to get back on a plane. Yes. That was the hardest part. I literally left that visitation and went to the airport and it was so hard to leave out of state knowing that that's my baby. And I, I truly, truly, truly felt like she was mine. It was really hard leaving her. And, you know, I came back a few times. I have five kids flying back and forth across the country is a lot, but we made it work and we did it and God provided low airfare when we needed to fly with all of the kids. I've been known to fly with all of them alone and just come out and we would stay (laughs) and I would see her. I think I came out three times by myself with just our baby and to visit with her. Then things were progressing and they needed Josh to also do fingerprinting. And he was like, I need to meet her. I want to be there. And so we booked a flight out for Josh, me and the five kids all came out to California and back in a day, right? He did. So he had actually, God had provided a job for him in April of 2021. So he was working. So he flew out and we got here at like 1am. I think we got to my parents' house and he had a fingerprinting appointment at seven. He had to sign paperwork at like nine. And then we had a visitation with her at 11. So it was like an insane morning and he had to leave to go back to the airport at like 12. So it was just, it was such a whirlwind. So I woke up and went and got her and then he went and did all of his fingerprinting, testing, all of that. She was allowed then in my custody without the foster family because everything in my background had cleared. I was able to get her and he didn't have to like wait for all the stuff to clear to see Mm -hmm. her because I was cleared. So we all actually met at Mm In-N-Out and she was very skittish around men for a hot minute and she 
was not with him. She not at all. Him. There's a photo and I don't even remember who took the picture. Mom, maybe. But she's looking up at him right as he came in and the smile on his face and like the joy in her face like gets me every time I look at that photo. Oh, I'm like, Same. Oh. it just like kills me. I, and it was hard because, you know, other men that were around her, she would literally start just screaming and crying and shaking. So a lot of the men in our family kind of would take a back seat. And so he was really cautious, like approaching her, but she was just so smitten with him from just the very beginning and all Thank the God, kids. This, she probably saw Josh in her dreams. So she I, I truly believe she yeah. saw all of us in her dreams. I truly yeah. believe it. And the kids, she just reached for them and held them. I mean, the bond, you would never know that she was not a like biological, a biological child. child. So then my husband flew back and we were going to fly back in like three days. I was going to have like two more visitations with the kids. And then I got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so ended up not flying home and ended up staying two weeks over trying to rest and get better. I mean, I had my mom taking care of me, so let's not like <laughs> it was pretty wonderful. <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> I I had a good time. And cuz cuz was just down the street or behind yeah. my, my mom's house. Good time then to just kind of rest. And because of that, we ended up staying longer, obviously. It was hard to be away from my husband as much, but it was towards the end of that two weeks of my COVID, I remember the social worker calling me and saying, Savannah, the DNA test should be here by tomorrow morning. We finally got it. And now it's like September. Like now we're into like September. Yeah. And she, I remember she got teary eyed on the phone and she said, I, I hope it's you. I hope it's you. And it was just such a surreal feeling that like everything is about to button up in like the next 24 hours. Like everything mm -hmm. is about to. I remember like mom and cuz just went down and got tacos and we're like, we're just going to like hang out and chill because we need to get out of our mind. Just to give an idea, we were waiting for the paternity test from like April, May. Of course, ordered through. in April. So it literally took that long. If the paternity test was positive with our family member, then she was ours. If it was mm -hmm. negative, then she was not ours. Mm -hmm. That was pretty black and white. Now, the social worker the day before said, I want you to know if this is negative, you are still in the running in my eyes. Like, I will mm -hmm. fight for you to get her, which was super sweet. But also, like, she wasn't a family member. So it would have been a mm -hmm. whole nother process. Like, I remember she said, I'm going to call you as soon as I get it. And the next morning at 5.45 a.m., my phone rang and my social worker <laughs> had woken up early and was checking her, her email all through the night, she said. I just remember that call. I got it and I went on the deck and I just was like, this is either going to be the best day or like the worst day of my life. <laughs> and she's like, Savannah, she's yours. Mm -hmm. And I just lost it. I just, <laughs> just knowing that all that prayer all that time and God preparing our hearts so far in advance, praying over mm -hmm. this baby and just knowing that she was ours. I just, I just wept. I, there was nothing else to do. I just wept and just so crazy. I remember I hung up and I called Josh and he cried and we were just like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is happening. This is happening. What I so, think is so sweet is like, even though biologically you did not birth her. I mean, as you're listening to this, the process is, I mean, it's a, it's a birth. You're carrying not the exact same way you do when you have a baby in your belly, but you are laboring. You are praying over and yes. laboring for like and nine it, months. Yeah. It was just sweet when that came through. It was just like, oh. but it's funny because I feel like there's been moments like that was like a really good moment, but the, honestly, there was a, still a lot of things to walk through. And I had no clue. <laughs> Looking like at back, that I was point, just we thought that. we're we free. We did it. Praise God. Well, okay. And it was a Monday morning that I got that call, and I had a visitation with her on Saturday. So that Saturday, I remember my mom and I dropping her off after the visitation, and it was such a hard day for me mentally, emotionally. If it came back negative, then that was going to be the last time I saw her. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were driving back, and it was just, it was so emotional and so just hard. Like, what did, did I do it all wrong? Did I? share too much with the kids. Like we are all very bonded right now. And 
I, it just was a, it was a hard day. Like it was a hard weekend. Finding out she was ours, totally. I thought this is it. And the social worker came up, cleared the house. We had to work really hard to get a few things like in order, some baby proof stuff. But I remember that night we got the house ready and I remember Coley came out and she shopped with me and I got a call from her birth dad that day and he was just so excited that mm. he was the dad and just over the moon happy that we were taking her in and thankful. I would not have realized we ended up having to stay in California till Thanksgiving because of all the stuff we were about to walk through that we had no idea <laughs> what no we idea. were going to walk through. There well, were inspections and interviews and interviews with the kids and CPR training. And I mean, they condense it into a shorter period. So if you're adopting through an agency or like through county, it's like you have to like do all these things. It's the same when you're adopting a family member now, but it's just condense. It's everything has to be done quicker. So we, we don't have time to space things out. So mm -hmm. like if you're just going through the system, you can do it at your leisure. But for us, we had time on everything. So like I had to be CPR certified in like two days. I had to go down and get more fingerprinting in four days. I had to have my kids interviewed for this. My husband and I had to sit through an eight-hour class one day with all of this information and that we weren't allowed to leave the FaceTime Zoom for longer than five minutes through like the mm -hmm. whole day. There was just, there was so much tacked on. Yeah. I never would have thought in that moment, <laughs> yeah. everything we were about to walk through. So October 7 is what we call her gotcha day. That, that was the day that we actually, like she came home with us. Yes. And that was just so awesome. We got the call on a Monday. That day we cleared and did everything we were supposed to do for her to be placed with us within like 24 hours. And your husband so, wasn't in um, California. He could not. No, he was flying in, but he couldn't get on a plane that quick. Fast so the day that I was able to go get her, I was so excited. And I was like, I do not think it's a good idea to bring my kids. I was like, at, it sounded like this dreamy, mm. like, let's go get our baby. Like, I just knew it was going to be bittersweet. It's a hard day for the foster mom who had been taking care of her. Yeah. And it would, I knew it was going to be a, it's a bittersweet thing. All what I'm learning with adoption is there's so many things that are so sweet and so hard at the same time. So mm -hmm. Caroline was so sweet to come out with me and we got to go and she was with me. We signed the papers for the mm -hmm. final and drove out to pick her up. And we stopped actually at Target to get a few things for the family because we yeah. knew it was going to be was so, it a was hard such a, day. It was such a good idea. So the foster mom not took care of her, they had kids. And so uh, Savannah had the idea of putting together a little like movie night gift basket for the kids, just as a thank you for caring for her. And um, just because it was going to be, it was going to be a hard day. So this is kind of funny. So she had birthed at that point, five babies. Baby love is number six. And she has offered to me to be in the room every single time <laughs> she has given birth. And I have said, let me think about it. And then I go, no. And we were standing there. We, we parked in the parking lot where we were meeting the foster mom. And both of us are like so much adrenaline. <sighs> okay, like yeah. here we go. And we're standing there and you were like, I finally got you in the delivery room. <laughs> 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 right. Yes, you made it. Baby love, you finally oh. made it in the delivery room. It was such a sweet day and but again, that was that was the start of God answering and saying, "Yes, she is yours." There's been other things that were still kind of walking through and for those who have adopted, they know ultimately it wasn't that long in the grand scheme of what some people have to go through, but there's just a lot of steps. There was in different cases, every child is so different and different things are around them. And when you're adopting a baby, it's just, it's not God's perfect plan for that child. God's perfect mm -hmm. plan for that child is to be raised by their mom and their dad and mm -hmm. for them to be married and for them to live together. And that's God's perfect plan. And so when that is not happening, there's going to be just trials and hard stuff that we had to walk through and that we are still walking through. But that day, that day was so exciting. I remember being there and it was hard for the foster mama to let her go. And I 
totally understand. She was kind about it though. She she wasn't like on her end. She's been caring for this baby for a few months. And on our end, we've been praying over trying to find where she was and trying to figure out, you know, if she's ours. And so when I finally got her, we just sat in the parking lot and just sobbed our eyes out. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, this is, this is us. This is her. This is, she's with us. And we were just so excited that she was just, she's part of our family and she's Mm -hmm. forever going to be with us. Yeah. If you follow me on social media, you'll know that I, we cover her face. We don't ever show her face. That is for her protection. Like my sister said, we're not sharing the details of her story. That's her story to share. There's definitely a necessity to keep her safe. Definitely. We, yeah, we made the decision early on that we didn't want to share the nitty gritty of it all. We Mm -hmm. are blessed to walk through that with a small little village of friends and family that know the ins and outs of her story and that are going to be there to walk alongside us and her and encourage her in her walk and will be, you know, understanding as they, as she walks. But for her to be able to share her own story and her own testimony, I feel like is extremely important. Absolutely. Would you talk about some of the things that you've already been doing prepare and her for just getting to know her story. So some of the things that we have done, so we have decided that we want an open adoption. So we want her to know that we are her adopted parents. We allow letters back and Mm -hmm. forth with one of her biological parents. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of letters. And the biological parent that is our relative is extremely supportive and thankful that we have taken her in and could not raise her nor would be around her for the next like 20, 25 years. So we are very grateful that her parent that is in her life is proactive in writing her letters and letting her know that she is not a mistake, that she is loved and that God has chosen for Josh and I to raise her and we are supported by them. I feel like that's been a really huge thing. We have all her letters and I want to do an adoption baby book so that she's reading her story and it's just, it's always been and it always is. It's a beautiful story. It's a hard story. She's going to have to deal with abandonment because both of her parents were not able to take her. Mm -hmm. Any adopted child who is not being raised, even if they're small and they won't remember it, there still is going to be a trauma that they'll have to kind of walk through over that. Like you said, this was not God's perfect plan. It's not okay that it happened that way, but this is how it is. And this is how God is redeeming what the enemy meant for evil. A hundred percent. Josh and I pray for wisdom through all of that. We talk about it often together, like, okay, how are we going to do this? Like we need to pray for wisdom. And just like, you know, Caroline is going to deal with a circumstance in our family's life different than I will just because of our personalities. Mm -hmm. She's going to deal with it different than maybe another babe that was adopted is going to deal with it, but it doesn't really change. It's going to be dealt with at some point for her to be able to move past it in a healthy manner and accept her story. So if you pray for me for wisdom, I'll pray for me for Mm -hmm. wisdom. I mean, I feel like like it's just going to be what we do already with our other five children. Really just praying a lot for them. I'm on my knees praying specifically. I don't know if you've seen War Room, but Mm -hmm. writing out my prayers has made a huge difference in my life. You know, sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm praying the same thing, but there's such important things that we're praying over our kids. Not just my adopted child, but also my biological children. The same. Everyone is Mm going to walk through things in this world. And if we are not praying over them and helping, you know, Mm -hmm. cover them with their spiritual armor of God, then they're going to be open for the enemy to attack. And so just continual prayer and asking God for wisdom and guidance as we raise these sweet little blessings. And I love you showed me a song that you play for her even already. Is it called I'm I'm Adopted? It is. It's called I'm Adopted. I want to link that in the show notes because it's such a sweet song and it would be a great resource for somebody who is wanting to pursue adoption and uh, feels like they want to pursue it the way that you and Josh are approaching it in terms of keeping her uh, aware of it, that she's wanted and loved and this is her story. So at this current moment, everything has not been finalized. You guys are still walking through paperwork and court dates and all sorts of things. 
but she is in your home. We would definitely all appreciate your prayers as a family. If you think about it, my sister and her hubby and all their babes in your prayers as they walk through this. And God has been so good. We don't know the exact dates. God does. That is where we're at now. If somebody is planning on adopting or thinks maybe they want to adopt a baby or maybe they're in the middle of it, uh, what advice would you give? Well, I think if there's anybody out there that's really considering it to really just take it before the Lord and pray and fast and make sure that God's calling on your life and not you trying to make something happen that's not supposed to, but just really seek the Lord. Because I feel like if you really just put it before Him, that God is going to make it very evident and He is going to open the doors and He is going to guide you and He is going to put it basically into your lap. I really truly believe, you know, take those steps in faith and He'll continue to just you know, open those doors if that's where he is calling you to go. And I love to what you said earlier about, you know, making sure it is God opening the door and not doing it out of obligation or as, okay, well, I'm only a good Christian if I adopt a child because of the scripture, like we talked about that says pure religion is looking after orphans and widows in their distress. And so I just love what you encouraged. And as far as God has not put it in your life to adopt, the Bible does call us to support. So think about ways that you can help out. I mean, um, I'm sure there's even plenty of ministries, even that would benefit financially. Maybe you don't have time, but maybe you have the finances and you could help somebody out. Or one thing that I want to say too, is don't assume that the family who is doing it has all that they need. I mean, it is very expensive. And like my sister said, they have had to fly back and forth a whole bunch of times. These are not things that are covered. Literally, she has flown to California with five children multiple times now. It's something um, like And crazy. then then six, once once our little baby love uh, was officially in their care, you know, that's a big financial burden. Now God's been really faithful and has provided, you know, really consider one of the things that you can do for the people in your life who are adopting. I just wanted to say, in case some of you are familiar with fostering and adoption and are wondering why they needed grocery gift cards because of the stipend usually given to foster parents, they eventually were given a stipend, but it was months after she came home to be with them that it actually went through. They'd had a lot of out-of-pocket expenses, which they were happy to trust God for. Thankfully, so many people listen when God placed it on their hearts. This is something just to keep in mind. You don't know what every situation is, despite what you have seen or know. Don't hesitate to act when God calls you to support a family fostering or adopting, whether it be prayer, financially, or physically helping out in some way. Even just to make sure you're not putting an extra burden on them uh, as well. And I think this has been a really good look at kind of the ins and outs of, of the adoption process in the foster system. And I'm just really grateful that you shared with us all of that and your heart for babies is just wonderful. At some point you have to come on and talk about your like big family plan and how you manage that. What did you call it? Organized chaos. Organized (laughs) chaos. Okay. So we need to do an episode called organized chaos and you need to like talk about all of that because it is really fascinating and awesome. You guys have been so intentional about that. Is there anything else you wanted to add or do you have any resources that you would recommend? recommend if somebody is considering adoption or has adopted? Yeah. I mean, I did read this book called The Primal Wound and that was really eye-opening and probably prepared me for some of the yucky stuff that we walked through with her. It was a really good book. It's hard to read. Some of that stuff is like really hard to read and I had to like put it down sometimes for a few days because it was just too much. But at the end of it, it really did prepare me on another level for like making sure that be able to support her in the best way possible. I love that. I'll definitely link that in the show notes. You will not find my sister online. We're keeping all names very safe, except for my sister and brother-in-law. We said their names. We keep babies safe and keep their names private. So you won't find her on there. But if you do have any questions, PM me on Instagram and and then I can pass the message on to my sister and relay it. All right. uh, We're going to 
end with the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? You're okay. going to just do them. It's off the cuff. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> what is your life verse or favorite scripture and why? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. I love Jeremiah that. Jeremiah 29 11. Yep. And it's one that dad would read to us a lot in the mm-hmm. evenings when I was scared to go to sleep. <laughs> but I love it for everything, especially walking through adoption. I've had to do some really scary things that I never <laughs> thought I would be able to do. And so that has been one that has just rung through my ears whenever I'm walking in to do something that is really hard and really scary. Yeah. And that has definitely been evident in your life that you have stood on that because yeah, <laughs> had to do some really scary, crazy things. And I'm really proud of you. Uh, okay. Where is your favorite vacation spot? One of my favorite vacations actually was we just went up to the mountains with all of our family and I only had had my first. She was really, really small and we rented a like large house cabin. and it was just a really cool cabin. And at the time, Josh and I are the only ones with kids. So we got like the sickest room because there was three of us and there's only like two of everyone else. <laughs> and like looking back, I don't know quite how that happened because I'm pretty sure our room might've even been cooler than like mom and dad's, but it was like <laughs> an awesome experience. We are all obsessed with your children. <laughs> Like we are all, and we're obsessed with all the nieces and nephews. Like our our sister's son, we're obsessed with him. He's been here a year in our lives. I I mean, I'm obsessed with my siblings. So I've been obsessed with you guys since you were born. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't matter. You're like, oh, they have the baby. They need to be in the big room. They need to be in the big room. And none of us were like, yes, yes. (laughs) They must be there. That was a really fun vacation. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Probably to freeze time. I think that would be Ooh. really nice. I feel like get everything done and then just also like slow down my babies from getting so big. <laughs> I love <laughs> like that. Right now they're all on like my schedule. We all mm-hmm. go grocery shopping together. We do whatever we're going to do. We do everything together. And I'm enjoying these, this time that they don't have their own schedules. See, when Kevin and I got married, my siblings were all still living at home. And it was so easy. All I had to do was go home to visit mom and dad. And I got to see all my siblings. But now they're all adults, kids of their own, married, living in other states. And it's like, I can't go. It's not, there's not a one-stop shop. <laughs> no, exactly. But so I'm enjoying benefits, this. There's benefits too. I mean, honestly, all the seasons are wonderful. And I mean, we get some really sweet time when we come out and visit you in your new oh, home. Totally. So, well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your heart on adoption and just this sweet story of our precious niece, your precious daughter now in our family. So thank you, sis. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. I love you. Love you too. Okay, friends, that's it for today. I'm truly grateful you joined us. If you think others would be encouraged by this episode, you can easily share it by taking a screenshot and adding it to your stories or feed. You can also text it to a friend. New episodes are available every Friday. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch them all. You can find and interact with me on Facebook and Instagram at Married Rogers Neighborhood, as well as my website, which I linked in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show today, I would so appreciate if you could take a second to rate and give a five-star review. It helps more people find it, which makes a huge difference for me and the podcast. Just remember, we are in this together. God loves you, and you are not alone. See you next time.